We acknowledge this podcast was recorded on Aboriginal land. This land is and always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome to the very first episode of Feeling Nostalgic, a podcast where we look at the pop culture moments that shaped us. For those of you that are new to hearing my voice, I am journalist and professional opinion haver Demi Lynch. I am the brains and face behind the news and pop culture platform Kaleidoscope News. And now I am also the host of this brand spanking new podcast, Feeling Nostalgic. So, if you're someone that loves absorbing pop culture, analyzing pop culture, and living for pop culture, then this, my dear, is the place for you. Every week on the show, I'll be chatting with your favorite public figures and celebrities about the pop culture moments that shaped them. From music to movies to musicals to celebrity gossip, nothing is off limits and nothing is too trivial here. Today on the show, we have Australia's biggest glamazon, Matt Hay, aka Alright Hay. He's a comedian, he's a content creator, and of course, he hosts the popular pop culture podcast, High Scrollers, alongside the fabulous Brittany Saunders. During our chat, we talk all things Lady Gaga, Real Housewives conspiracy theories, gateway musicals, Red Rooster investigations, kidney stones, and more. So sit back, relax, grab a bev, grab a snack, and let's get nostalgic. Welcome to the podcast. We have the fabulous Matt Hay on, or as you all know, as the Australia's biggest glamazon. All right, Hay. Hello, my dear. How are you? Hi, darling. I'm feeling fabulous, and thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast to talk about all things pop culture, because uh, when I've been listening to your podcast over the years, and obviously currently High Scrollers, by the way, already a little shout out. I was just like, I need a, I need a pick at your brain about pop culture, about your love for some fabulous leading ladies like Lady Gaga, Kylie Minogue. I was just like, you're going to be a perfect guest for this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited. I feel like I, 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 and I love podcasts because it's kind of where I get to delve into all the pop culture stuff. I mean, it's uh, hard on like, you know, other platforms and Instagram stories. TikTok's a bit fine because it seems to reach the right audience, but Instagram's mm. just such a like melting pot of different people that like sometimes I'll talk about things and people will just be I've got no idea. And also with pop culture, sometimes there's just so much context involved. And so if you've missed mm-hmm. out on a little bit, um, then like it's hard to catch up and you kind of, it's, it's a full-time job just keeping up with pop culture in general sometimes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot to it. And yeah, there's definitely some areas I'd love to talk to you about. And that's why I brought you onto the show, because I feel like I need to get some education from the one and only Australia's biggest <laughs> on Amazon. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what I ask all my listeners, well, sorry, what I ask all my guests is what pop culture moment are they currently obsessed with right now? So that could be movies, TV shows, celebrity gossip, What pop culture moment are you obsessed with right now, my dear? Well, speaking of like, you know, being behind the times and having to catch up, there's one that I just recently (laughs) caught up on, which was Scandaval. Um, Do you watch Vanderpump Rules? (gasps) 
I do. I've I'm rec- I've recently came onto it in the past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I obviously Scandabowl happened earlier in the year. I think around March it all came out, and I had never watched an episode of Vanderpump Rules before, or maybe I'd watched one or two here or there. And uh, I decided in like May, I'd just gotten back from South Africa with I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Don't worry if you're listening and you don't know who I am. I wasn't on the show. I was doing social (laughs) promo, you know, working behind the scenes, doing social promo for the show. And I got back and it was such a big trip and such a like life changing, like, you know, exhausting in the best way possible, um, doing all the safaris and just experiencing South Africa, which is the most amazing place. And I highly encourage everyone to go to South Africa, put it on your bucket list um, because it was just magnificent. But I was just so exhausted when I got back and I I'd just come straight out of World Pride as well. So I was like, I just need to sit down and rest for like two weeks and just park myself on the couch and just not do anything. And I decided I would start Vanderpump Rules because of this whole Scandabol situation, which is like where one of the main people on the reality show cheats on his long-term partner who has been, they've been together since like one of the early seasons. And this is now season 10 that this all unfolded. And um, he cheats on her with another cast member and it all comes unfolded. Anyway, the entire world was talking about this and I felt so out of the loop and I'm always on it with the (laughs) pop culture, you know, and this was one thing that I had let slip. And so I started Vanderpump Rules and I will say like, the first episode is definitely a big struggle to get through. And then the second, uh, sorry, first season, I think I said episode. The first season is such a struggle to get through. The second season is still kind of slow, but it picks up. And then by season three, I think they really find their feet. And it's really good from season three to season 10 with a couple slow moments in there. But um, right now, pop culture moment that I'm just like obsessed with, because now, of course, I've actually caught up completely. And obviously we're waiting for season 11 now, which is coming sometime next year. But now is it's so good because like I'm watching Sheena's vlogs and I'm listening to Lala's podcast and now Tom Tom Sandoval just released a podcast and I listened to the first episode and it was absolute trash and I probably won't listen to another one. But oh, you know, like poor, now I'm kind ears. Of, oh my god. Yeah, I'm doing like this <laughs> deep dive and I'm like hyper fixated on just like all things Vanderpump rules right now. And also the show gave me like a breath of fresh air about Lisa Vanderpump because I felt um like her exit of Beverly Hills, I kind of hadn't seen or heard anything from her since then. Um, yeah. And I also, the whole thing with her leaving Beverly Hills and the fight with Kyle and whatnot, like I still don't know what side of the fence I sit on with that. And I do think that I Same. like lean more towards, I lean more towards like Kyle's side in a way. And so I, I haven't seen her, but I've got this whole new like, found love for Lisa Vanderpump and how fabulous she is and like really getting to see more vulnerable sides of her and how she treats like her staff and everything like that like I really love her so that's what I've been so enthralled with for the time being what about you oh well you just mentioned Kyle I am so excited for the new season of Beverly Hills to come out everything with the big marriage breakdown which yes i know i shouldn't be getting entertainment from a marriage breakdown but oh my god it's i have never been more oh i'm i just cannot wait i cannot cannot wait for the new season to come out and oh yeah i've just beverly hills is like the first season i watched fully to like get into the Will housewives franchise and yeah to 
get a new season come out right now is just oh my god i just i just oh i'm so excited yeah so i'm yeah just, yeah when the trailer came out i was just eating that up looking up everything on twitter and just i'm so keen for the new season i actually have a bit of a theory with the trailer first of all there okay. is a shot in there where uh mauricio says um at least it's not me having the affair it's you having the affair and then kyle responds yeah it's me this time or something like that but yeah. the response from the conversation, if you watch it, she's actually wearing two different sets of clothing. So it's two separate conversations and they've stitched it together to make it sound like she's like um, responding to yeah. his statement. And the other thing is like, I think, um, I I don't think that they're actually separating. Like she came out pretty much straight away when that all went down and said, we're still a family and like we've had a tough year, but everything's fine and we are still together and we're disputing the claims. Um, So I don't know how it's going to play out, but I just think that perhaps some of those scenes that we saw in the trailer of them, like talking through it is more going to, cause you know, with trailers, they always turn out one way and then it's, you know, you watch the episode and it's not a big deal or it's something totally different than what you expected. And so potentially like one of my theories is like, that they'll talk about all the news stories and some of those quotes that we heard might be quotes from news stories or they're just like taking the piss at the end of the day um, because I do feel like Kyle Kyle is like at the end of the day she does take the piss and you know especially I think last season we saw her just get a bit wild but then again she's been doing the splits since like season one so oh my god her doing the splits is literally just reminds me of like seeing drag queens on rupaul's drag race during the splits and it's just like oh yay oh yay uh yay yeah (laughs) it's like a bit of overkill though yeah yeah it's just like oh that's awesome but we've seen it but it's awesome but go go you honey good you Oh, well, I am also very much into Scandable right now as well. So I'm very glad to see that you are, I'm very glad to see you did the work. You did the proper work and went all the way back to the beginning. (laughs) Well done. Get a pat on the back for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad I did because I feel like, you know, it just wouldn't have made sense and I I wouldn't have been invested because I thought about starting at season 10 and, but I'm glad. Yeah. And I think my advice to anyone who hasn't tried Vanderpump Rules, first of all, highly recommend the entire thing. Um, even with the spoiler alert at the end of knowing kind of little bits and pieces and seeing things online or, of what was going to happen. Um, yeah. It was definitely well worth the investment and you just need to push through the first and second season. It is very slow. And I actually remember messaging my best friend who loves the show. And I said, I can't do this about halfway through season one. I went, this is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I'm glad I, I pushed through. And I think it's because originally my opinion or my theory is that I think the producers had an idea of what they wanted the show to be, which was the behind the scenes lives of actors and actresses and people wanting to be music artists and DJs and blah, blah, blah. And they have to work these day jobs. And so it was kind of about like the behind the scenes of like wannabe Hollywood A-listers. And then when they actually picked up the cameras and started filming, they realized how dramatic and incestuous their life was. And it kind of had to pivot into this whole different show. And I don't think that they really landed on their feet with that until season three. That's so true. You're like, you like 
fully analyze these shows. I very much appreciate that. That is awesome. I never thought about that. And also yeah. the fact that you realize Kyle was wearing two different shirts in that trailer, which is just making me want to watch the trailer as soon as we finish this interview, just to like investigate that. Yeah. Honey, yeah, you're wearing like a white top and then like a different button up top in the next one, but it's pieced together like one convo. So there you go. Honey, oh my well done. That is an that I'm impressed. That is that is an achievement. That is that is some skills right there. Very well done. <laughs> Everyone needs to be warned about this person. Like this is a dangerous human being. Lala, that's actually a ridiculous stance to start saying Sandoval's a dangerous person. I didn't ask for anyone else's opinion. Well, you have my opinion. Well, that's great. I reject it. we got to get into more pop culture, and I want to look into the pop culture moments that raised you and how it influenced your career, your beautiful personality. And I think it's safe to say Lady Gaga was a very big influence for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. I feel like all I do is talk about Lady Gaga on other people's podcasts. Like, she just (laughs) always comes up. Her and Kylie Minogue, just like, it's always full circle. I just slip them into every conversation that I can. But yeah, Lady Gaga for me, I think that like, you know, growing up obviously as a queer kid, um, we know it's hard, blah, blah, blah. We've heard that story from everyone a million times. But I think that, mm. like, the turning point for me of, like, loving and accepting myself and realising that it was okay to be who I was was thanks to Lady Gaga. And her coming out and always, even before, I guess, um, it was before Born This Way came out because that wasn't until um, later down the track. But, yeah, yeah. when I, I just remember going to the Fame Ball. Uh, sorry. I remember going to the Monster Ball and mm. her speaking about just like whoever you are, whatever you look like, wherever you come from, however much money you have, you know, whatever your sexual orientation, whoever you love, whatever your gender, like blah, blah, blah. You can be whoever you want to be. And tonight we're just here to like let all that go and just have a party. And I, as well in her interviews and stuff, remember back in the day, like there was that rumor that, Lady Gaga was a hermaphrodite and had both genitals and whatnot. And the way she like handled, because the thing is like, that is just obviously so ridiculous of a Mm. thing to even bring up in an interview. But like questions like that are what the queer community face every day. And I had experienced in high school, people asking those really rogue, really strange questions. And then to see the way that Lady Gaga would, would be directly asked, like, it's 2023. I don't think anyone would ever get away with this, but to directly mm. ask on like 60 minutes, do you have a penis and a vagina um, is like a really big deal. And back then we just kind of like, I mean, not me, but like people just kind of laughed about it. And it was almost like this really casual conversation about the whole thing. And um, the way that she handled it was actually what really spoke to me because she was able to take on these questions from people similar to what I was getting. I mean, no one was asking me if I was a hermaphrodite, but, you know, people just come up with really ridiculous questions um, for queer people. And so the way she handled it really, like, just inspired me to be like, oh, my God, like, if she can just, like, get on with it, like, maybe I can as well. And then, of course, on top of that, she was leading the frickin' game with her fashion and, I mean, red carpets beforehand were 
you know, jeans and a crop top and then suddenly she rocks up in a meat dress or comes out of an egg or does something, you know, new and noteworthy and then everybody's trying to top it and everything like that. And so for me, um, yeah, she really changed the game as well with pop music as well. Like we were, I think we were in like an R&B kind of phase before she came on the scene. So it's just about like the amount she changed in people's lives and the world and the impact that she had is like so inspiring to me. And um, as someone who's just always wanted to grow up to be an entertainer, I don't didn't know what that would be, whether I would be an actor or a singer, but I can't act and I can't sing. I didn't know whether I'd be in a Broadway show, but I can't dance. So we've settled on making TikTok still. But um, <laughs> I think for someone who has just always wanted to like entertain people and what does that mean? That means just invoking an emotion or having someone think about something or leaving them with some sort of something as they leave your audience or watching a video online or listening to this podcast. Um, I think she did that in like the most exceptional way that I had ever seen in my lifetime. And still to this day, I agree with that. She was just so ahead of her time. Like, Going back to the interview you mentioned, and I, you know what, that, that is my Roman Empire, like Lady Gaga interviews, particularly that one, because just the way she is just like, if I have one, why? Why is that a bad thing? Why is that even something yeah. to, like, acknowledge? Like, like, why is that something that is so important or something that is, you know, groundbreaking? Like, so as soon as I found out that you were Lady Gaga, Stan, I was just like, Yes! Yes, thank you. Yes. Someone else gets it that she's just uh goddess goddess in human form, honestly. The fashion as well. Like what do you think like a fashion look that you saw when you were younger that like cuz you definitely love fashion yourself. You love a good Camilla dress. You love all the bright <laughs> like I can see all the costume behind you. What kind of dress outfit that Lady Gaga wore you were just like, "Oh, oh, I need this. I need this." Um, so for me, it was actually this piece uh, that she wore, which was a mask for, so on her first, uh, or like, you know, she had first slash second album because she had the fame and then she released the fame monster EP that tacked onto the back of it. And the fame monster had a song called dance in the dark on it. And I loved that song. That's what she opened that monster ball concert with. And I love the song. It's, it may be my favourite song from Lady Gaga, but also that sometimes changes on my mood. But it is up there with, like, mm-hmm. one of potentially my favourite song. And uh, she almost, because of the popularity, I think she almost released it as, as a single but never became a single. And she did, like, a promo shot for the single cover. Mm-hmm. And in it, she's wearing this black mask with gold spikes and chains all over it. And... I have no idea why, but this just absolutely spoke to me. And in my year 10 visual arts uh, assignment, we had to create a piece of art and I recreated the mask um, and put it on like a, so like the, 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 the canvas was like Lady Gaga and then the mask was actually a, a mask that I tacked on top and it became like a 3D sort of thing and they actually hung it in the uh, yeah. principal's office which was so weird because it was so amazing apparently and they like thought what? that I'd come up with it myself and I was like no babes I just copied Lady Gaga sorry um, <laughs> but then 
Please that, tell me like, your principal was religious, because that would be so funny. <laughs> no, Jala, I was going to a public school. Oh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say. I was going to say. We're only doing scripture once a month. <laughs> I was going to say, if you aren't like to Catholic school and like the principal would accidentally like be like, oh yeah, this is a good painting, rather than be like, ah, uh, yeah, that's a that's a queer artist painting, but yeah, yeah, sure, put it up, put it up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so then, like the spikes and chains, I guess, followed me throughout life, and I wore a lot of spikes mm. and chains, and loved that kind of combo together. And I think it's because, um, which again, I didn't realize until I guess. Because that was year 10, so I don't know, I was maybe 15, 16. Mm. And it wasn't probably until I was, like, 23 that I realised that, like, the, the reason that I loved the spikes and chains was probably because, like, subconsciously, I think, like, the spikes are very, like, masculine and the chains are a bit more dainty and feminine, if we want to go with that stereotype. And so it's, like, mm-hmm. both of those, like, mixing together to make something fabulous. And then yeah. look at me. Like, I feel like that is me. I take from masculinity and femininity and then exist in this, like, fabulous form um, because I am just a cis gay male who likes to wear women's clothing, men's clothing, women's jewellery, men's jewellery, high heels, flat shoes, Havianas, Crocs, everything. You know what I mean? So... Um, like I kind of realized that a few years ago that I was like, I think that's, that's why I'm so drawn to the spikes and chains. And you know what? They've gone away from my fashion, um, over the past probably five years, maybe, um, just because they became so expensive to be buying so much bloody chain from Spotlight <laughs> and, to, to make all we're my costumes. We're in a cost of living crisis. We're in a cost <laughs> of living crisis here. Bus. Club. Another club. Another club. Plane. Next place, no sleep, no fear, nobody believed in me. So something else that you, I can imagine you grew up with because you're definitely a big fan of it now is musicals. And I've heard you listen, I've heard you talk about musicals on the podcast. So I would love to know what was like, oh, what's the term where it's like, what what was your gateway musical? Like your gateway drug? Like what was the musical that you're just like, oh yeah, this is for me. Yeah. Yeah. This is my vibe. Gateway musical. Well, I think like I probably couldn't tell you what the first musical I ever went to was. It, I would assume it was my grandma who took me, um, and I think it would have been The Lion King at the Capitol Theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really made me fall in love with musicals is obviously Wicked, <laughs> because oh, yeah. I think that Wicked I've seen like I couldn't even tell you how many times. <laughs> I unfortunately couldn't see it in on Broadway because they like had no tickets left and I had no money left because I was at New York in the end of my trip when I went to America. Oh no. Um, (laughs) And I've only been to New York once. So hopefully I get to go back one day. Um, We're planning, my partner and I are planning to go to London sometime in the next year or so. So hopefully um, I can see it on the West end, but regardless, I've seen it here and also randomly in Japan, uh, so I, uh, <laughs> so random. <laughs> I know. And I've seen it many times here and I saw it once in Japan. And, uh, I think the magic obviously of Wicked was so exciting to me because my thing is like, if I ha- could be bothered, I probably would have been either a stage manager or a pyrotechnic person or a 
um, you know, working in theatre, I love mm. a stage lift. I love coming out. And, and this all stemmed from yes. actually Kylie Minogue. Here we go. I'm throwing her in there. Kylie oh, yep, Minogue. Yep, yep. <laughs> the first concert I ever went to, so I can tell you the first concert because it was Kylie Minogue, I mean, apart from the oh, Wiggles and nice. such. But <laughs> my parents took me when I was like five years old to Kylie Minogue at Sydney Entertainment Centre when it still existed. And she came down from the roof on this sparkling anchor because the theme of the show was like love boat sort of. So mm. she was on this giant anchor and she like comes down from the ceiling. It's on YouTube. You can type it in and watch it after after you watch yes. the Beverly Hills trailer again. But it's oh, like course, yeah. um, Kylie Minogue opening of her concert I think it was the light years to uh Sydney 2000 entertainment center you'll find it Uh anyway she comes down on an anchor from the roof and I thought that was the most spectacular thing as a child and then for the final song she came out of the floor with just like a stage lift but it was the first time I saw that and I was like oh my god I'm obsessed and so then like all those things are what I live for in theatre. So obviously you're mm. defying gravity. The fact that Glinda comes in on the bubble at the start, just things like the wheelchair being able to spin around by itself and the, the way that the sets move in and out automatically or mechanically, um, you know, coming out of the floor, flying, all that, like theatre magic is what I really live for because I would have loved to be like a stage um, I, I I wouldn't even know what the term is for someone who kind of is in control of all that, but stage director or something like that. Um, because I see you yeah, already like, as like a stage mum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Doll. You're, you're just already Except I'm my own. <laughs> you just go there and be like, all right, okay. I don't even know you kids, but okay. I'm going to be your stage mum for this evening. Yep. All right. I'm going to tell you what to do. <laughs> yeah. But I remember we in high school, like we had a, a our school hall had like a full on theater and, um, we had a cherry picker or a cherry lift. And like I would yeah. often be like caught, like I'd be like, oh, like I'll like clean up for after class and stuff like that. I don't think I've ever told this story on the internet, by the way. So this is a kaleidoscope mm. news exclusive. Oh, exclusive, um, yes. But, but I uh, would often be like, I'll pack everything up. You go have lunch, like it's fine. And then I would go to the sound system, put on Defying Gravity, get in the cherry picker, and press the button, and be like, in the hall by myself. Oh, I've, I've never told that story before. I've never, I don't think I've ever told that, especially on the internet. But I, I, be, I bet like barely anyone knows. So yes, back to that. the question. This is my profile. <laughs> I go on a million tangents, but back to the question. <laughs> Wicked was the gateway musical. Um, yeah. And uh, the most, so if I had to give you, here you go, I'll give you like my top four or top Ooh. three musicals. All right. Yep. I'm here so, for that. I'm here for that. Yep. Number one would be Wicked. Of course, of course. Followed very, very closely by the Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge, the musical. Ooh. Um, I still need to ha- see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So it's a jukebox musical, so totally different um, because ah. they just take pop culture songs or pop songs and pop them into the musical. So, like, you know, she'll be contemplating her life and then she'll just look in the mirror and go, do you ever feel like a plastic bag? <laughs> you know, it's really random. <laughs> it's really random, but it's it's so bright, it's so camp, and there's so much of that, um, the stage, the staging is what is just it is so incredible. I mean, everything about the yeah. musical is incredible, but, you know, she comes down from the roof in certain parts and, and oh, all and of the rest of that. Of so, you. Yeah. you know, like a lot of that 
makes me really happy. But just all the songs, all the energy, all the costumes, like, I saw Moulin Rouge when it was here in Sydney and I saw it in Melbourne too, like probably like six times, like a ridiculous wow. amount. And I think oh, oh. they uh, they actually accidentally, I think, I think accidentally invited me twice. Like they invited me and I said, yes, I'll go. And then I went. And then like a few months later, they invited me again thinking like, and the email said something like, if you missed out, here's your chance to see it. And I'm going, <laughs> well, I didn't miss out. I've already seen it four times, but I'm taking the free tickets again. Um, yes. <laughs> because I just... Loved it so much. So I love that. I think third so third would be um, Six, the musical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honey, yeah. honey, honey, honey. <sighs> I missed out. Six was six. number two. Six. six was number two until um, Moulin Rouge kicked it off. But mm. only only because, like, but Six can, could stand in its own category and win number one for just for what it is like we also that's a thing like I feel bad having six at third because you can't mm. compare six to a Wicked or a Moulin Rouge because they're just so mm. vastly different performances Absolutely. and mm. budgets and costumes and everything and for what six is like it deserves a number one spot I think like first of all the concept and uh, do you know the whole backstory about how it was written as like a I think a like the equivalent of like the HSC drama they've given um that they, they, they like wrote no. it as like a oh you didn't know this <gasps> okay well here's a okay, bit of so, okay <laughs> so just so you know what i know already so i wasn't able to get tickets so sad because i was too broke but for like the past year or so i've just been listening non-stop to the album like non-stop but i still haven't seen the musical but so i don't know any of the background on how it was made or anything like that so please educate me please educate me okay. Hey, so yes. it was actually written as like a, in, I think, um, London or, you know, the UK, mm. their version of the year 12 exams, whatever you call that. Um, I call it the HSC in New South Wales. Yeah. Um, so their version of that, it was written as like their, or it could have been like a university thing. I'm not really sure, but they mm. wrote that musical as their essay or assignment or project that they had to do and then it went so well and please you'll have to fact check this and and everyone do their Uh own research because like I read this story years ago and I like back in 2018 I learned about this so I Mm -hmm. I might get some details wrong but I think then it went into their they have like a showcase of I guess so here in New South Wales, we have something called On Stage, which basically in the HSC, in the Year 12 exams, if I do a monologue or a performance mm. that is so good and gets really high scores, you'll then go to On Stage the next year. That is the next year's Year 12 students watching the best of the best from the year before so that they can have an idea of, um, you know, what to provide for their own end of year exams. In the audience, sometimes there will be talent scouts looking for new actors, um, or if it's a singing piece, like new singers, there'll be record people from record labels, blah, blah, blah. And there'll also be, you know, there'll just be industry people there, scouting people, scouting. Yeah. And Mm so same thing happened in the UK. A scout saw their version of the musical and went, this needs to be on the West End. And the rest was history, long story short. So the school project became like a musical. Um, that is freaking beautiful. Oh. Yeah, but please fact check that, everyone. I'm, I'm remembering <laughs> that from like, I mean, we've been through a whole pandemic since I read that story. So, you know, 
It could be a bit shifty. <laughs> I'll add in like a little note, like when I do the editing and be like, just let you know, everything that Matt says is completely and utterly false. But at least he gave you a little bit of moment. <laughs> Ho- hopefully when I do the little edit, hopefully it'll be like, just let you know, this is correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Hello listeners, this is future Demi here. Just wanted to interject and let you all know that everything Matt was saying about the six is pretty much the gist of it correct. So essentially the six was created by Cambridge University students Lucy Moss and Toby Malo and it started off as a university project that debuted at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2017 which then led to it being picked up by the West End. So yes, thought I'd just let you all know that Matt is in fact correct and it hasn't just been a random tangent that is not factually correct. So yes, back to the podcast. I have to ask though, which is your favourite song on the sixth soundtrack? This mm-hmm. is so easy for me and I love them all. I genuinely love, I mean, it's a short, shorter musical. So there's only, you know, there's a handful of songs. Yeah. But And I love them all. But the one that really gets me, and when you hear this, you'll be like, of course it is. It's Get Down. I too. <laughs> it's all about, for those who haven't heard, like, so all of the other of Henry's, Henry VIII's wives. Um, is it Henry VIII? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All of his other wives, like, had really tragic circumstances. And then this one wife had this glamorous life and got off pretty much scot-free. Whereas mm-hmm. other ones were like beheaded and things and um, died, died giving birth and whatnot. So, you know, this, um, this wife had a really good life. And so she sings this song about, you know, being rich and elegant and, you know, having all the finer things in life and living in a castle. And, you know, I'm manifesting that for myself, darling. Um, but the first time <laughs> I actually saw that. So the first time I found out about six is. Yeah. My favourite drag queen in the world, Hannah Conda, who was on uh, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under Season 2. Um, she performed the song in a nightclub one night, and I get down, and I saw that, and that song straight away, and the way that she performed it, I went, oh my god, what is this? And I ran out to the smoking area to catch her after the show, and I was like, I need you to tell me, like, where's that, what's that song from, what is that? And she was like, have you never heard of Six the Musical? Oh, my God, you're going to be obsessed. And so she showed me Get Down. I was obsessed with that and then fell in love with the rest of the musical and the rest is history. But um, then when I was doing drag, which was pre-pandemic, I was a drag queen performing Get Down myself. I was like, sorry, Hannah, I'm going to have to steal. I'm going to have to steal that song because it's just so quintessentially me and I would... I would then perform Get Down and everybody would love it because if you haven't heard, if you haven't seen Six or you aren't in the Six realm, Mm -hmm. then you will love the song because it's so iconic. But if you are in the Six realm, you're going to love the song because it's from the musical. So it pleases everyone in the audience. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, it just brings up so much energy and you just feel like such a boss and just... Yeah. I'm also just so jealous on how clever the lyrics are. I'm just so jealous how they came up with them. I'm just like, oh my, just, 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 just how? Just, oh. Six is ever, like, around. Highly recommend those. And then also, 
the, uh, the last one that just slips Number into four. fourth place, mm-hmm. but could it t- could be third. But again, like I feel a bit bad for sixth because of the production level. It's actually really surprisingly um, mm. Beauty and the Beast that is currently playing in at Sydney. Really interesting. Have, I've only seen it twice. I saw it opening night and then I went back again, and both times it was absolutely phenomenal. You do not expect that. I didn't expect yeah. that Beauty and the Beast was going to rush to the top of. Um, my favorite musicals, but it was honestly, and I'm not even really familiar with the Beauty and the Beast. Like, I don't think I watched that as a child. I love Disney, but I don't know whether Beauty and the Beast was one of my favorites. And it just knocked my socks off. I was so obsessed. The amount of dancing and high kicks and everything, and of course, all the staging and all the magic. I mean, it's Disney, of so of course, course there's going to be a lot of magic in there. Um, really spectacular, and I just encourage everyone to go and see that one as well. And then fifth would probably oh. be Legally Blonde. And there's my top five. Oh, honey. Legally? Mm. Oh, isn't that just a work of art as a musical? Mm. That, that's my current thing I'm loving at the moment. Instead of movies being turned into reboots, sequels, all that kind of stuff, turn it into a musical. Then yeah. you literally have the same story that everyone loves, but then you add music to it. It's so good. Like Legally Blonde, they're gonna do it at with they're gonna do it with Devil Wears Prada, and then they also did it with with one of my favorites, Muriel's Wedding. Like, oh, Mean Girls. Like, yes, Muriel's Wedding is an amazing musical too. I would love to see Muriel's Wedding come back. I love that, but I mm-hmm. love like a, a whole heap of random ones. Lacage, I'll fall. Um, obviously Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Um, mm-hmm. I love, oh, I really hope Mean Girls comes to Australia, but Mean Girls is about to be turned into a movie musical. So Mean yes. Girls was turned into a musical. And now the musical mm-hmm. is getting turned into a movie musical. So yes. it's like that, di- the, that Disney show, the High School Musical, the musical, the musical, the series, yes. the musical, the high school musical. I'm like, it's just so too confusing. Yes. <laughs> Popular. All about popular and with an assist from me to be who you'll be instead of dreary who you were well are there's nothing that can stop you from becoming popular so to transition a little bit into pop culture moments of today i want to talk about how you yourself became a pop culture moment during the pandemic and that is two <laughs> words for you my dear Red Rooster. Or is that too triggering? (laughs) Oh, no, it's not triggering at all. It's not at all. But it is, it is, it is funny that I kind of like, you know, was, went through that whole journey. (laughs) Do you want to explain to the listeners in case they don't know? Or in my partner's case, forgot, because when I told my partner I was interviewing you, I was trying to give him examples of like how he might know you. And then I mentioned Red Rooster. He's like, wait, what, what, what? They're the one. They're the one about Red Rooster. So that's that's apparently your fame, honey. That's apparently what it is. Yeah. Your what is it? Your Tracy Grimshaw investigation of Red Rooster. <laughs> if it's it. A... <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Well, I can explain for anyone who doesn't mm-hmm. know. I, in the midst of the pandemic, I made a video about the fact that, you know, is Red Rooster a front for money laundering or whatever it may be. <laughs> um, 
And I acted in the video like I had just come up with this thought myself and it was just like an off-the-cuff thing. And here's the thing. I'm very smart, darling. I've been doing this social media journey for almost nine years now, so I know what I'm doing. And uh, that was definitely meant to go viral and that was definitely meant to spark a conversation. (laughs) And I know that there's a social conversation around Red Rooster that it must be money laundering because, you know... um, no one's ever there and no one ever talks about it. And if you're going to go to a fast food <laughs> restaurant, no one picks Red Rooster first, uh, at least no one mm-hmm. that I know. And so I was kind of like made the video saying like, what's going on? Um, and then obviously it went viral. It got a lot of comments. Everyone has an opinion on it. I'm sitting back going, this is exactly how, what I planned. Um, this is fabulous. And then I get an email in my inbox from Red Rooster themselves and I shit my pants. I was like, <laughs> here comes a cease and desist. Like this is, they're going to tell me we're suing you or like defamation or like whatever you want to call it. And I opened the email and I was so surprised to see that they were so on board with the video that I had made and they were kind of poking fun at themselves and they were like, we know that this is a conversation that everybody has. Like we make jokes about it in the office. Like everybody thinks that Red Rooster is a front for drugs or money laundering or whatever. Um, They actually never use the word drugs. I think I use drugs in the video, but they never use the word drugs anytime I worked with them, but they did use money laundering. And um, I, was so surprised that they wanted to get on board and they were like, we'd love to, you know, continue this narrative um, because they had actually seen um, such a growth in their social pages, interactions, and obviously the comments and, and the views on the video that I made. And just like, you know, then there were news articles about it, about my video and about comments. And so, Red Rooster was getting a lot of traction from the video that I made and they were like, we want to keep this momentum going. And so how can we make this happen? And I was like, well, you know, this is what I'd love to do. And they were like, do it. And what I suggested to them is that I was going to come into head office and snoop around and try and find every anything that I could um, look at sales reports and like break into the office and blah, 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 which I did. And then um, the next video was me actually working a shift at Red Rooster to see. And in the video, I kind of glaze over it. But working in store really was what made me, um, I guess, convinced in a way that they actually do get a lot of business. Because the most surprising thing was that little Uber Eats bell was dinging like every two minutes with a new order. And there were a few cars through drive-through, but really not that many. Like there were there weren't many in drive-through. A couple of people walked in, but the Uber Eats or the delivery—I don't know what delivery service they were using—but that is where the orders are coming from, which is random to think about. Because um, I actually, when I'm ordering on delivery services, I think it's like a waste of money to to order from fast food because I'm like I could go through drive-through and get it myself for cheaper. But like I don't know. A lot of people were doing that, and this was a lot. This was lunchtime, so I feel like that's not even maybe as busy as like a dinner r- rush or whatever. Anyway, the videos was just went the roast chook they were getting because that's the only thing I think of. Like, was it just because they just wanted a big roast chook? Well, I didn't look at like the orders or anything like that. Like, I was I kind of uh... just went in because they were like, you can work 
you know, a whole shift if you want. And I was like, no, no, like, I just need to make a funny video and, you know, I'll, I'll make a few fries and I'll hand out an order and whatever and, and, and whatever. So I was like, I don't need to. I'm trying to get some free I don't need to be mopping the floors, you know. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't need to be mopping the floors and cleaning the freezer. But anyway, yeah, I had like the best time. And that is so funny that you're calling that a pop culture moment because for a hot second, it absolutely was like, Mm-hmm. Everyone was talking about it. And what's funny is actually the power of that campaign and that, that sort of uh, little journey we went on together. Uh, I my So when I first started, so the name All Right Hey was never meant to be like my name. I um, When I started YouTube videos back in the day, that was kind of the first platform I started on. And everybody had a cool way to introduce their videos. And so the yeah. people that I was watching, like Tyler Oakley and Joey Graceffa and everyone, like they all had like signature ways that every video they opened their v- videos with. And for my, for me, mine was, all right, hey, welcome back to my channel. And then I go into it. And so I just named the channel, all right, hey, because I thought that was a bit more interesting than my own name. Like I'm a branding yeah. queen. Hello. And Lady Gaga <laughs> doesn't use her own name, Joel, so why would I? Um <laughs> So I named it all right, hey, but then people would come up to me in the street and they'd go, well, not in the street. I don't just roam the streets, but like in the shops and be like, <laughs> they'd, they'd be like, are you all right, hey? And I kind of was like, oh, this was accidental, but it's now become my brand and people like are calling me this name. So I'll just roll yeah. with it. And now, of course, all right, hey is what I call myself. But when the Red Rooster situation was happening, people then would come up to me at the shops or in the club and be like, are you the red rooster guy? And I'm like, (laughs) whoa, triggered. (laughs) Um, Because I was like, sorry, I have a name and you can use it. It's all right. (laughs) I've worked this long and this hard for a brand. Yeah. Make me with red rooster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Thrown out the window. And um, the funny, the funniest part is that, Previous to working with Red Rooster on that, um, mm-hmm. which I have to clarify, like originally it was obviously very organic and I kind of started the first two or three videos were bit by myself. And then there was two videos that they actually helped me out with, which was going to head office and obviously uh, working in the store. Then there were like more videos yeah. that were organic again. And then um, I... Before any of that, I like never went to Red Rooster. I would never, I would never. And now after that, yeah, like they've actually got a customer out of me. Their hot honey fried chicken is like one of the oh. best things I've ever had in in my life. And dare I say that I may enjoy, I may or may not enjoy their chicken more than maybe another big competitor brand. Um, because like it really is so crispy and crunchy and incredible and so they kind of like got i mean there's no red rooster near me we know in sydney like they're all kind of like out there's none near the city or anything so for me to get red rooster i kind of have to be like over in like ashfield i think um which i never am and so i rarely actually get red rooster but um if i am hungry and i drive past i do stop in especially for the hot honey chicken and um, just, like, in general, everything is, like, delicious. As pineapple fritters, like, give me everything. Oh, them pineapple fritters, I have to admit, are really, really good. My friend used to work at Red Rooster back when I was a teenager. And so I would always just, like, hang out in the in the dining area because there was, like, no one there and just chat to her while she was at the desk. 
and this nibble on pineapple fritters, is they're good it's very good yum and then they had oh cheesy nuggets they're cheesy nuggets i have oh, to yeah. say love the Even cheesy nugget me... probably not cheesy enough like i would have loved yeah. a little bit more cheese mm-hmm, yeah even though they gave me an upset tummy because i refuse to i refuse to ever admit that I am lactose intolerant or I can't do cheese. I refuse to ever admit that and go to the doctor to see if I am. But they were still good, even though they got me an upset tummy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thankfully, yes. I think I've just had so much cheese in my life that my body's just accepted the fact and I'm no longer like <laughs> lactose intolerant. If I have like milk or uh, ice cream, like absolutely, it's yeah. dire. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think my body's just gone, okay, he's not giving up the cheese. Okay, we're going to have to, <laughs> you know, the immune system's just kicked in and we have to fight back with this. To finish off the podcast, the Pop Culture podcast here, we are going to do a little round of Would You Rather based on the pop culture moments we mentioned from then to now. And I'm very curious to know some of these answers of some mm-hmm. of these culture-related questions and also just random random bits and pieces from just doing a little bit of stalking, stalking. No, research. Okay. It's called research, but no, technically <laughs> stalking. Yeah. Okay. All right, honey. All right. All right. Your first would you rather. Now, you are not a tattooed person, are you? So- no. So, would you rather get a Lady Gaga-related tattoo or a Kylie Minogue-related tattoo? If you had to get one, had to get a tattoo. Mm. That is difficult. I think think the the one that I've actually thought about, though, is Lady Gaga. So, that's the only one I've really considered. Um, I haven't considered getting a Kylie tattoo, and that is because I don't like any of... Well, I I like them, but not enough to put them on my body. Um... (laughs) Like, uh, Lady, uh, uh, sorry, Kylie Minogue, um, logos or like, mm-hmm. you know, unless I want to put like the KM on me or Kylie on me, she doesn't give me enough. Like Lady Gaga is very good at giving us little icons and pictures and things that we can like yeah. adapt. And she has so many tattoos herself. Like she's got the peace sign on her wrist. Like, mm. you know, when I was younger, I really wanted that. And, um, so, but whereas Kylie, like I haven't. I feel like Gaga and her songs and her albums, like she, there's an icon that kind of comes with it. I mean, with Kylie's yeah. new album, Tension, she does have the diamond, but like getting a diamond on me, I have no interest. So definitely Lady Gaga. And I've definitely gone through that and thought about that before because um, like definitely Dance in the Dark, I've even thought of getting that mask I was talking about earlier in a like fine um so cool yeah and like the thin what do you call the thin ones the thin tattoos like fine line tattoos or whatever oh fine line tattooing yeah 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 well then what okay then how about then lady gaga tattoo or wicked related tattoo Uh oh lady gaga tattoo absolutely really oh there's so many types of wicked tattoos you can get (laughs) there are but it's kind of like um I just don't think Wicked's had, like, the impact on my life that Lady Gaga mm-hmm. has that I'd want to put Wicked on my body. Um, yeah. I love Wicked, and obviously it's taught me a lot, and there's been many influences from the show that have um, g- gone throughout my life and ha- and helped me throughout life, and some of the songs, and, you know, like, I had a best friend, and we'd sing For Good together all the time. But it really doesn't, like, strike a chord, like, the impact that Lady Gaga has with me. So that's a really easy one. Lady Gaga, for sure. I do have to ask, I haven't asked this yet. 
what is your thoughts, feelings, emotions about her future movie coming up, the uh, second Joker, where she plays Harley Quinn? I mean, like, I'm keen to see it. Um, Mm -hmm. I really have no interest in it, though. Like, I mean, A Star Is Born, I had a lot of interest in because it was her acting debut. I was very excited about Mm -hmm. it. House of Gucci, I really had no interest in. I was like, babe, give us another album. Like, that's what I want from her. Yeah. I'm I'm so happy. I'm so happy that she's thriving and living her best life. And you know what? If you've got, if you got the chance to do what you want to do, then absolutely live every day doing what you want to do. And if that's what she wants to do, happy for her. But really nil interest like I want music because music's like so much more my thing than especially movies like I didn't mind her in American Horror Story because I enjoyed first of all the character was very Lady Gaga anyway but secondly like uh, for me like a TV show is uh, I'd rather invest my time over the 30 episodes or whatever 20 episodes of a season and really get to know the character rather than, you know, an hour and a half, two hour movie and then it's done. And if I want to know the story again, the story's no longer going anywhere. I've got to watch the movie again and I already know what happens. And I'm one of those people who like, once I've watched a movie, can't watch it again. I've watched it. I know what happens. Really? Not watching it again. Un- wow. Unless it's my favorite movies. Like I do have some favorites. Like um, I've seen Pitch Perfect a few times. I've seen Bridesmaids a few times and I've seen The Final yeah. Destinations a few times. And the only other exception <laughs> is if I see a movie that's so good that I have to show someone else, mm-hmm. then I will, you know, like Ocean's 8. I remember seeing Ocean's 8, um, the whole female cast one with like yeah. Sandra Bullock and everyone. Um, I was in the cinema and I remember when the plot twist happened at the end, yeah. which apparently is very obvious for a lot of people, but for me it wasn't, and I won't spoil for I anyone who hasn't seen it. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good plot twist. I'm glad someone I else is appreciating up. it. Yes. I'm in the cinema and I stood up. I was in so much shock. I, I physically got out of my seat and stood up, and then I was like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. I'm in the cinema. Like, sit down. <laughs> and so... Then, like, I had to go and, like, take other people to watch it because I was like, it's so good, I'll see it again. But now I probably wouldn't watch it again, you know what I mean? So I actually forget what the question was. I've gone on such a big tangent here. (laughs) But um, regardless. I I don't remember either, but I'm glad we have someone that also appreciates Ocean's 8. And now I'm tempted to watch it tonight because it's just such a good and easy movie to watch. It's a comfort movie. And also just Kate Blanchett in a suit just soothes my bisexual soul so much so yeah yeah. i'm gonna have to watch that tonight now yeah um okay another would you rather we have okay (laughs) would you rather push out another kidney stone or have to use (laughs) or or have to use a self-serve checkout that has the conveyor belt every time you get groceries for the next month Mm, well, you left me with a loophole there because <laughs> there are a few options. Obviously, I'm not going with kidney stone. For those who don't know, I had a kidney stone. It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced. And I have a high pain threshold. And I was screaming down the halls of the Prince of Wales Hospital here in Sydney. It was dire. It was really embarrassing, actually. And I, 
I actually got a lot of comments on my post from people who have given birth and said that having a kidney stone is more painful than giving than giving than having a child giving birth. Kidney stones are more painful. Ooh. So that's the kind of Ooh. pain that I was mm. in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I never, never want to go through that again. And so I'm definitely going to choose the self-checkout. However, you said it's for the next <laughs> month and every time I do my groceries. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> we could... Uh, you found a loophole. We could, mm-hmm. we could get my uh, groceries delivered by, you know, the, the supermarket delivery systems. I That's could get true. my lovely assistant to go and do my groceries for me. <laughs> I could um, ask someone else in general to do it for me. Maybe <laughs> my boyfriend. Or if you're running to the shops, babe, just get me $300 worth of groceries. Um, <laughs> and there, so there are loopholes. So I will, I will go with the second option there. Very well done. You're just like, I'm not doing a kidney stone again. No, I will find a loophole. So it suits me no. both. Very well done. Very well done, darling. But I will say, like, now that I've had a kidney stone, like, at least I know what to prepare myself for. The scariest part was it took so long for them to identify what it was. And there were actually a few issues going on that, mm. like, didn't align with the kidney stone. And so randomly TMI but I felt like I had like a really full bladder and I needed to wee but I couldn't wee and so they before we got to the fact that it was a kidney stone they actually did a whole bladder scan and the bladder was completely empty so then they were like why do you need to pee if it's empty and like it's all so it took them so long to get there at least now I know when that pain comes I can go I have a kidney stone full stop Mm. I know what's happening like you can do all the tests but like and I also know I just need some morphine. Like the morphine just made me float away to the bloody Jupiter yeah. doll. And I was like, everything's <laughs> fine. So I'm like, Were you able although to see it's the stone so after? painful. No. So I think I may have passed it in hospital. They pumped so much fluid into me um, that, and I was also drinking the whole time because I was a bit dehydrated or something. So they were pumping fluids into me, but I was also drinking because then I did this like massive piss in hospital and I hadn't been able to pee all day. And that was such an issue that when I did the massive piss, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> but I didn't feel anything. And then after that, obviously I was on morphine and endone and Panadol and everything. And um, after that, I had no more pain, but I was still, they'd already done all the tests and I was like still waiting for answers and mm-hmm. so at the time, like, I thought I still had it inside me. And then he was like, oh, I'm just going to send you home with some strong painkillers and you'll pass it in, like, 24 to 48 hours. But I had no more pain after that and didn't even need to take any more painkillers. So um, I'm assuming I that big piss in hospital is when <laughs> it all happened. But my kidney stone was only one millimetre long. So yeah, one millimetre and to cause so much pain, but also I wouldn't have felt it coming out. Some people have um, like eight millimetre kidney stones and it's really painful. Oh, no, nah, yeah, just nah, hope and no, pray, you. hope no, and pray you. you never get one of those. Because you don't think how actually small your your wee hole is. You don't think about like it's, it's tiny. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I'm there I googling love- going how big. <laughs> I love how big is my hole. Oh, not that hole. The other hole. I know how big that hole is. How big hole is this one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how our podcast 
this is meant to be all about pop culture. Now we've talked about the size of poles. I love how this is where it's going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, even though we are talking about holes, I think we best go through the hole. And I think this is where we start to end, my dear. Where can people find you? What particular podcast should they listen to to hear you talk more oh. about kidney stones, Gaga, and all the goodness there? Literally, that's exactly <laughs> what we have been talking about on the podcast. So I have our brand new original podcast. It's called High Scrollers. It's myself and Brittany Saunders. And so, yeah, it's like a mix of pop culture, but also very much like similar to what we spoke about today. You know, we had the pop culture references and then we also had the personal stories. I mean, we did everything from Vanderpump Rules to Kidney Stones today. So that's what you can expect on High Scrollers. And we are absolutely killing it, if I do say so myself. The podcast is just getting rave reviews. Everybody loves it. We're not trying to change the world. We just want to, you know, have a laugh with you for 45 minutes or so a week. And um, just, yeah, like, it's just going so well. I'm really happy that I've kind of, like, gone on this endeavour because, um, yeah, it's just one of the most... I mean, I know we've only just kicked off, but, like, it's already one of the most successful things I've ever done in my career. And um, the amount of good things that are coming from it... And so many, like, opportunities already that have kind of arisen from starting this podcast is just insane. So definitely come over and join the join the family. And for everywhere else, you can um, just search All Right Hey. I'm sure if you type in Red Rooster on TikTok, I'll probably come up first too. <laughs> I love that, yes. And, yes, I have to double recommend that podcast as well. You two have just done such a great, great job and are uh, I just I just get so excited every week when a pop when the episode comes out and I always get very confused when I see the title. I'm just like, where the fuck are they going with this? And then I and <laughs> oh it's so 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 funny. Yeah. Highly recommend yeah. everyone listen to it because it's bloody hilarious. So good. Oh yeah. So it brings so much joy to my weeks. And yeah, just just from a business perspective as well, mm, Chef's Kiss, well done. Just so such a good idea such a good idea to have yeah. these two on a congratulations nova yeah. on picking it up <laughs> yes well done nova well done yes good job for picking it up mm-hmm. yes <laughs> and yes thank you so much matt for coming on to today's podcast you're such a joy thank you so much that's all right i had so much fun darling i'll talk to you soon Thank you, beautiful humans, for listening to our very first episode of Feeling Nostalgic. I love you. I worship you. If you're listening right now, just know I adore you and greatly appreciate you for just giving this podcast a chance. If you had fun today, if our chat was a good distraction from the horrible worlds that we're living in right now, there are three ways you can support the show. One, leave a rating and leave a review. Two, hit that big follow and subscribe button. I know you want to press that button. We all love to push a big, juicy, beautiful button. And three, tell others about the show. Tell your mom, tell your friend, tell your dog, tell your ex, tell your girlfriends, tell your neighbor next door, even though you barely ever talk to them because who talks to their neighbors now these days? Tell them all about it. Tell everyone. For another dose of throwback chat, do be sure to tune in next week on Feeling Nostalgic, where my guest and I talk about all things dragons, anti-pelican propaganda, 
The Hunger Games and ADHD. It easily is one of the most unhinged interviews I've ever experienced, and you're gonna love it. But until then, my dears, I'm your host, Demi Lynch. Say hi to your dad for me.